Welcome to episode 14 of Hug Your People. This is Kevin. In this episode, we're talking about Baxley's wagons. Man, I'm so excited about uh, placing our first wagon. We're going to talk about the Mayo Clinic, and I'm going to tell you about what happens when you just have one of those days, which I'm having today. So this is episode 14 of Hug Your People. Welcome back. Let's kick this episode off with something really positive. So I want to talk about Baxley's Wagons. And when I say really positive, I'm just having a day. I'll tell you about that later um, and kind of how I'm dealing with it and, and what we're doing to kind of combat when you have just a day. Um, I'm sitting on the rooftop of the Ronald McDonald House. It's They have a nice little courtyard with some couches and fans. If you hear a hum in the background, there's all the HVA systems of the buildings around. And honestly, it's soothing <laughs> for me <laughs> today. So uh, let's talk about Baxley's Wagons first. Uh, we placed our first wagon with a little boy named Jackson. Jackson's three, year, three years old. He has um, a brain tumor. Um, Jackson has... He's doing proton, or he's doing radiation treatment to prolong his life. He is considered uh, terminal, which is has been a lot for us to deal with. But we've met him, him and his mother. His mother's a single mother, and um, their story is just so powerful. And their upbeat spirit, and them staying positive, and just showing uh, other people kindness and love, it really inspired us. And we asked Jackson if he wanted a, a wagon, and he's really into dinosaurs. So we were so so thankful that we were able to. Um, through a lot of your donations and a lot of your love and care and, and just belief in us that we would f- see this to fruition, um, you know, because the people that donated donated very blindly um, to Baxley's Wagons, and we didn't even know what it was when we accepted money for it, and so we felt a, we felt a strong duty to figure it out and do it right. And my wife and I were talking this morning, and we've got two other wagons coming, and it was, it was just like it was a natural fit. It was like, hey, honey, you're going by Target today. Make sure you pick up the pillows for, for the kids and the toys and the blankets. And she was like, yeah, I got it. I already know what I'm getting. And it was just this really, like, almost well-oiled machine kind of conversation that happened in, in two seconds. And, um, and, it, and then when I started thinking about it, it just felt really good. It felt like that's kind of what we should be doing. Um, so it, it was really a, a pivotal week for Baxley's Wagons and getting that, um, seeing that to fruition, getting it placed with who we know is the right person. And the next two wagons are going out. And the way that, the way that proton radiation works is you have time slots where you go in every day. So you see the same people every day. And after the next two wagons are placed, there are five beds in our little uh, waiting area where Baxley uh, gets his port accessed and gets his heart monitors the recovery area when he comes out of anesthesia and there are five beds in there and we see the same five people every day and um we were laughing yesterday because the uh, one of the one of the the kids just left so she just finished so we'll have someone new coming in but all four kids who are in that little pod um will have a wagon at the end of this week and uh that's just so special to me to to see that um these families are are finding use in it and and really when you think about it because um, most of the people stay at the Ronald McDonald house so getting your kid with their stuff to the car and from the car into the into treatment it just you have to factor in the worst case scenario of what they need as far as toys and snacks and blankets and pillows and change of clothes and diapers and wipes and yeah parents you know the you know the drill and um so the wagons really come beneficial and it meant the world to me yesterday we were in treatment to see Jackson uh, being wheeled in in his wagon, just smiling, playing with his toys, and having all this stuff right there, and his blanket and his pillow. It was just uh, when you see that in real life, it just um, 
they get you. And it makes you feel grateful and sad and happy all at the same time. But that little boy was smiling yesterday. So we, um, I think the easiest way for now, if you're interested in, in, in helping us with Baxley's Wagons, we have uh, two more being placed this week and we have seven more on deck um, that have already been funded. And um, so we'll be getting those to the right families in the coming weeks. Um, if you're interested in jumping and um, helping us out with that, we don't know how big this is going to be. We're just going to keep doing it until, until we feel like we should pass it off. But right now, it's something real special for us. So um, that's kind of the direction we're going with that. Um, and if, so if you, if you want to help us out with that, I, I can just send me a DM uh, through Facebook or an email or a text and, and we'll get you the information to help us out with Baxley's Wagons. But it really is a special thing and it's something that has impacted me in a way that I didn't, um, I didn't see it would, as it would be an impact. So um, that's that, that's so special. Okay, let's talk about having a day. I have relocated <laughs> from uh, the rooftop to the chapel in the Ronald McDonald House um, community living, you know, so as not to s disturb anyone else, but also so that I can keep my thoughts um, in line. Um, today is Saturday, so there is no treatment, so everyone staying here is um, just has some free time, and so there's a lot more people milling around than normal. But um, so let's talk about having a day and what kind of triggers having a day when you're in this situation. Today, I'll tell you what it was. I'm a little embarrassed to tell you what it was, but um, I'm going to. So, uh, as you know, Ronald McDonald House is supported by a lot of volunteers, and it's fantastic. It is. Um, today, my son wanted pancakes and bacon for breakfast. So, I had that uh, down in our little pantry in the community kitchen. And so, I go down there, and there's just a ton of volunteers cooking. There's no open stove. There's no open oven. There's no very little counter space, and it was just really crowded. And uh, I didn't feel great about that. I felt, I was grateful they were there, but um, I was on a mission to make pancakes and bacon like I do most Saturdays for my son, and I wasn't able to. Um, so it wasn't the end of the world. Like We had other things to eat, so it wasn't a matter of, <coughs> of eating. It was just one of those things where it was inconvenient. and. Uh, I started going down the uh, the frustration path. I don't know if you can relate, but where that, that turns into one thing. And then the next thing was, I can't believe I have to get on the elevator to take the trash out. And then, it, so you just start going down this, this funnel of bad vibes. And if you know what I do for a living, I'm, I'm a personal coach um, for a living. So I talk to my clients about, mostly in the entrepreneur space. So. I work with entrepreneurs uh, around creating more time and you know still having a family and a business and the mindset so they don't um, don't show up after you leave work with all the business baggage that goes along with it and take it out on your family. So I coach this stuff, and so I I, um, I was able to recognize it and um, and I, I said you know I just don't like the, the path that I'm going down today and I can't control any of it. Um, meaning I can't control the things that are frustrating me aren't I didn't choose for them to be there they just are frustrating me and that's on me so I can change it and so I took a breath out you know and, and told my wife I said um, you know she's got a friend coming in town this afternoon and I said would you mind if I, I just take a couple hours 
And um, I said, I feel like I'm in a, a spot where I can record a podcast and I feel like I need to hit the gym and, and maybe I'll go out and, and, you know, just drive around for a little bit. And um, she was like, of course. And so we're trading off today, which is, that's kind of how we do it, tag in, tag out. And um, I, th- I think that that awareness was the biggest thing that I could have gotten coming into, into my son having cancer. And I think if I didn't have that awareness, the old me, the me five years ago, would have allowed that frustration just to fester and it probably would have ended up in an argument with somebody, probably my wife, <laughs> or not showing up for my son the best I could or just continuing to feel that way for maybe the whole day, maybe the whole weekend. And so I'm really grateful that, um, first of all, I am very grateful the volunteers are here to help uh, us and, and the other families that are here. And so I felt really bad about feeling the way I felt, but I also understood that I, I could change it. And, um, and so I, I think that was a, a whole separate conflicting, just a conflicting idea is all it was. Um, and when you look at when I look at Baxley and I'm, you know, he's just, he's coming off of five days of treatment. Last weekend we were in the hospital. The weekend before that we were in the hospital. So we're coming, we've had three weeks where we haven't been in the hospital or we haven't been out of the hospital. And he's sitting here on Saturday wanting to watch Animal Planet and cartoons and have fun and, and chill. And I'm sitting here getting frustrated. And so I can sabotage that if I'm not aware enough of how to change my behavior and how to change my mindset and how to change the, the progression of emotions. Um, and so the way that I'm going to do that is by recording this podcast because it really just lets me get things off my chest. <laughs> and then I'm going to go uh, go run and lift weights and then I'm going to probably shower and then I'll go for a drive or go to the store or something like that just to kind of breathe out and bookend the uh, the downtime. Um, and that time is valuable. And that's, that's kind of how you can kind of turn the tides a little bit and you can kind of shift things um, shift things back because I think, you know, when you, when you talk about the things that we go, that we do, you know, on a daily, you know, we have to be very careful of germs. We have to be very careful of, of, um, paying attention to our son, um, listening to him. You know, uh, we're starting to get into the intro phases of the side effects of radiation. Um, or at least we think we are, and we have to be super aware of that. Um, his, uh, everything from his, the condition of his mouth, his, you know, make sure he's brushing and sanitizing his mouth and, and gums and, and everything like that. He's getting enough water, monitoring the frequency of, uh, number ones and number twos. And, uh, I didn't know this. This is, this is odd, but there is a chart that they use to identify the solidity of a number two <laughs> in kids. I thought the nurse was joking. She asked, what was the consistency? Was it solid or runny, the, the, the ends of the spectrum? And, and I was like, I don't know. It was kind of like a, and she was like, and she pulled out this chart. <laughs> and it was one to 10 and you, and you pick a number. Uh, and it was, the, I was like, wow, they really, uh, they, they, they've got everything. <laughs> Something I never thought I would see. But um, so you have to be really in tune with that and aware of that. And, um, just paying attention to that the frequency of medicines. And we have, we have probably 15 medicines that are on a need basis. Um, meaning if this, then the medicine. And so paying attention to those things. Um, the, the, the biggest was, uh, you know, Baxley can't eat after midnight every day. 
when he's getting treatment. So from midnight, after midnight, he can't eat anything. After 8 a.m., he can't drink anything. Our Last week, our appointments started at 11 and 12, which means we didn't get out of treatment until 3. So from midnight to 3, 3.30, um, he wasn't eating or really drinking um, anything. And so there is an appetite stimulant that we are giving him because we want him to eat. We don't want him to lose weight. And we noticed that uh, it was creating this incredible hunger, obviously, during times that he was fasting, that he had to fast. And so just being aware of that, like, well, he's, he's crying and screaming, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And okay, well, we need to adjust the medicine, like th th those kind of things, that awareness too, um, it's just nonstop. It is a 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week job for me and my wife to really just stay in tune on a deep, deep level um, with him. And, and so you get tired. So when you, when you hit a snag like I hit today or something I can't control and something as frivolous as, it's not frivolous because it does have meaning because I like to cook for my son and Saturday is kind of our pancake and bacon day. And, um, but something that certainly could have waited or... You know, there are other options. I could have gone out and gotten some or, you know, uh, but I think having that self-awareness around, okay, I don't like where this is going. I'm going to take a time out. I'm going to change the trajectory and I'm not going to displace my frustration on anybody else. And I'm not going to come from a place of all of a sudden I'm not grateful for these things because I have to be grateful and I am grateful um, for these things. And so not letting that little thing bring up all the other little things and ruin my weekend for my family. So that, that was, that's kind of the, the day. And I think really uh, I, I've been meditating, uh, not, I won't say a lot. I, and my goal is to meditate once a day for at least 10 minutes. Um, reason for that is just to guide my thought. That's all. Um, just to guide my thought, at least sit still for a minute. And so that I don't have to think about the things that I am required to think about so that we can beat this thing. So um, through that, I've just learned to be so to be aware and to know the things that can pull me out of that. You know, if I'm having, if I'm feeling anxious, what can I do to pull me out of that? Because someone needs me here to monitor the medicines and to take into treatment and to do all the things that we have to do. And um, what is it that is needed um, for us? Like my wife needs to go out today and get a manicure and pedicure and maybe do a little shopping. Like she needs that. That's a need. That's not a. I get to, that's a, you have to, um, for your own sanity, you know, and the, even something as simple as going to Target for her and grabbing a Starbucks and just walking the aisles. She may walk out of there with nothing in the box, in the buggy, in the basket, um, but it serves a bigger purpose, you know, and um, I think that's just, I think that's something that will carry over after we after we're finished with this thing, and and it's it's already shown up. It shows up a lot in my life and business, and because I, of, of the, the kind of work I do. But um, I will notice. I, I do notice that the way I show up because of this in my business is different. Uh, I'm showing up on a deeper level. Obviously, I'm taking less excuses. You know, my my job is to build entrepreneurs' business, meaning make them more money and not make them more money at the sacrifice of their family or their time. Uh, most of my clients are parents. Most are um, not young bucks coming through the entrepreneur world, um, but they do range in industries. And um, most of my clients are in a committed relationship. In fact, all of them are, um, almost all of them. And um, so when you talk about the things that really can 
trigger you and fester and then be almost uh, displaced on the wrong person very easily. Um, that's kind of the work that, that we do, and that's the work that I, I, I put into action in myself, and today was an example of that. And uh, I am feeling much better having talked about this for about 10 or 11 <laughs> minutes, but um, I'm going to go hit the treadmill and sweat a little bit, and, uh, and we'll go from there. So if you're having, if you're having some sort of feelings that you don't want to have, you know, know that there is a process, there's a way to kind of pull yourself out of that feeling, redirect, regroup, and sometimes it requires you working with your partner or your spouse or um, your boss or whoever, your coworkers, whoever you're with, and being okay acknowledging the fact that you need a minute or you need 10 or you need two hours. I'm very grateful that my wife recognized that I needed a couple hours and she's, um, you know, she agreed. She was like, go. So um, that will serve us better. The sacrifice of two hours uh, will serve us better for the weekend than it would if I didn't get that two hours and forced through it, or if she didn't get her time this afternoon and forced through it. it, it you know, the service is, is far greater if you pull back, take some time, take a breath, and then reinsert. So, when uh, you know, if if you're coming home from work and your husband or wife or your your spouse is there with the kids and they look like they need a minute, <laughs> give it to them. Give it to them. One of the things we've been uh, noticing is there are no light decisions when it comes to fighting cancer, and, and rightfully so, but um, we made a pretty big decision this week. We've been doing a ton of research about treatment, making sure that we're doing the right thing, and um, we think we are, you know, but um, we, we've been looking at, there's a particular doctor at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota that we've been following, my wife's been following, and we actually had the chance to speak to him uh, this week, and one of the things that the Mayo Clinic's really good for is just uh, being on the cutting edge of technology. So you got to understand a couple of things before uh, I get into that. Um, of all the research money that's allocated to pediatric cancer, of all the money that's allocated to cancer, only about 4% is allocated to pediatric cancer. And when you scale that down to rhabdomyosarcoma, um, they get next to nothing uh, to, to actually research and study the kind of cancer that my son has. So the, uh, and this is according to the doctor at Mayo Clinic, the data that we have um, on rhabdo is 70 years old. Uh, they haven't changed their survival rate. Uh, they haven't changed anything. So the information is um, it's just dated, you know, um, for the most part. And that's not a, that's a funding issue. And that's kind of why we're taking up the. Um, that's kind of why we're taking up the, the tasks that we are with Baxley's wagons, and also with Alex's lemonade stand, and also the the shirts and hats that we'll actually donate directly to this doctor's foundation. Um, so, when you when you look at all that, there's just you want to come from a place of decision from education, but you also have to come from a place of who does this the most, you know, and. Uh, as this doctor said, he said, I, I do this every day. So the, 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 the point in question, the, the task in question is, do we operate or do we not operate um, to remove the tumor from Baxley? Um, and we have, up until now, surgery has not been on the table because um, of where his tumor is. Um, it can potentially do more harm than good to his bladder, to his 
um, future sexual reproduction possibilities and um, and performance and just just a, a myriad of concerns um, if you go in and operate and uh, the probably and, and probably the biggest is you know when when you go in and operate the biggest risk for cancer removing the tumor is microscopic cancer cells spreading through the body um, that's the biggest kind of risk that's what you want to really protect against uh, at least the, for us um, and what our doctors have said so this doctor at the Mayo Clinic they he and his team have um, been doing surgeries for this on rhabdomyosarcoma patients. Um, for a long time, and they do it a lot, and they do it with a lot of success, and the technology is just fascinating. And so our doctors in Charleston, um, one, they don't see a whole lot of rhabdo cases. Two, they certainly don't operate on them with any kind of frequency, um, so that the treatment has to come from a place of, one, what is in our wheelhouse of ability and comfort and effectiveness, and we've gotten great results from their treatment plan um, thus far, and we'll continue to get great results with that treatment plan. Um, and so it's not a question of that. And then when we layer that on top of what the, the Mayo Clinic's doing in Minnesota, we it really painted a compelling argument. So uh, we spoke to the doctor, and basically what they do is you, you go up to the Mayo Clinic, and this doctor has seen all the scans. He's seen all the charts. Like we had everything from Charleston sent to his office in, in Minnesota. So he's seen everything. He knows all the information that all the doctors in, um, in Charleston had. And we, we did that with the blessing of our doctors in Charleston. So we're not undermining anybody. It's just, um, you know, and even if we were, I wouldn't care because we're fighting for my son's life. We're not, this isn't about feelings. I, I really don't care how anybody feels about what I'm doing as long as the outcome is that my son continues to live a happy and healthy life. So the, the Mayo Clinic, they bring, they bring you in and they make a, they actually do some scans of their own and they make an actual 3D printout of the tumor. Um, so they can actually have the technology to do that. And so then they, there's a team of surgeons that come in from all, any, any facet that may be required. Um, so in our case, a, a urology surgeon will be um, vital because of the placement of the tumor. And so um, we'll work with them, and they'll, they'll kind of map out the best way to, to do this. Now, coming at the tail end of radiation, a lot of the cells will be dead, so that reduces the risk of anything spreading uh, like that. But their, their, their process, and I won't go into it, their process is also the success rate is incredibly high. Um, and they do it every day on patients with rhabdo. So as far as in the world of cancer, these are the number one people in the world to do this. So as we start making decisions and start planning for that and, and looking at that, really, my wife has become an expert, not only on this doctor, but the process and the treatments and everything else. And um, that's been our decision. So. We're going to be in Jacksonville for the next probably four or five weeks with proton radiation, continuing our path, continuing the chemo, continuing everything we're doing. Um, after that, there will be a point between now and probably, um, I would think, November, where we'll be in Minnesota for surgery to remove the tumor. Um, we don't know when yet, and we're working with all of our doctors in Charleston, all of our doctors here in Florida, and all of our doctors in uh, Minnesota at the Mayo Clinic to decide when the best time is, when 
when's it optimal, but really having cancer out and continuing with chemo, um, we just feel like that's, that's the best possible way we could go. And, um, and our insurance has, it's, it's in line with our insurance plan. So that that's great because <laughs> trust me, money is a consideration, even though you don't want it to be any, even though it, um, you would go to the ends of the earth for your child. It, it definitely is when you're talking about this stuff. Um, and it, it's not a consideration that we're not going to do what's best because it costs too much. It's, we're going to do whatever it takes to go find the money or raise the money or, or, or whatever. And we've been very lucky and very blessed that that's been, we've been able to do that so far. Um, and so our insurance has really been vital. You know, next time you complain about your insurance, I want you to think about Kevin and Suzanne and Baxley <laughs> and realize that, you know, I, I think we're not, we're not getting bills in the mail that are hundreds of dollars anymore. Um, every single bill that comes in is thousands and our insurance company is doing what they got to do. And so it makes us very grateful that we have insurance and that we uh, did pay all those deductible or all those payments. And, um, so that's kind of where we are and it wasn't an easy decision. It took, you know, weeks of, of studying and watching and talking and thinking and, um, now we're at a good spot where that's that's a real option and we feel like if we can get cancer out and continue with treatment that gives Baxley the best chance to to move on and and this doctor is is, is the only one that we're going to um, use to do that if we have to go to the surgery route so there's just so much to consider you wonder why people are overwhelmed <laughs> or different and you know you see it every day you see people who like us you know we've been going for we're coming up on 15 weeks this week so um you know, coming up on four months and a lot of things that we have to go through have just been numbed you know the life the realization and then you meet families who are they're two or three days in it and they just they look shell-shocked and stunned and you just you hug them you cry with them and you try to support them and then you have families that are further along than us and they're even more numb to a lot of the stuff you have to do and so when you think about that it's kind of scary um, but I think if, if the mechanism were not to be numb to something this would be too much for anybody to take in my opinion so you have to grow numb to things like anesthesia and shots and hurting and my son doesn't walk very much or at all like he used to and um, he can't run and, and he's, he's trying and he's aware and, and all the things that would hurt a parent's you know, feelings and ego and you grow numb to that and you just learn to celebrate the day, you know, and so that's, uh, that's where we're at. So I'll keep you posted on the Mayo Clinic, but we will be up there before the end of the year uh, to have, uh, have surgery and we'll be working with some of the best doctors in the world to do that. And then the back end of that, we will be supporting the Rabdo Foundation um, for research for this specific type of cancer as we move forward. Um, to help these kids just just get good information, help these parents get good information, and um, we're going to try to make a big, big impact in some way. I don't know what that looks like, but in some way, we will. Hey, 
thanks for joining me for episode 14 of Hug Your People. This is Kevin. Um, it's been an exciting week. It's been a roller coaster ride, but we are pumped that this week we get to give out two more wagons um, to, to families. Thank you guys for your support on that. I'm going to put up on social media how to help us if you want to um, sponsor a wagon or donate or, um, or maybe put uh, you know, a family that needs a wagon. Um, there'll be information about that. Also, if you want to join me on the Million Mile Run, Walk, or Bike September, we've raised almost a thousand dollars of our fifteen thousand for Alex's lemonade stand. We'll be continuing with that, um, and we're just asking you to take a minute, breathe out, and uh, just hug your people. This is Kevin, episode fourteen. See you guys next time.